You're listening to the V1 Church Podcast. Have you ever struggled with doing the right thing on repeat? In this episode, Pastor Julie Signorelli talks about healthy repetitions as we wrap up our series, New Year, New Me. We are in the finale of New Year, New Me. How many have been making some changes uh, in the last few weeks? I almost feel like one person, great, praise God. We're happy. But uh, some of us, you know, just the natural progression, whether you're a Christian or not, you just kind of start making changes at the first of the year, right? You hear the word New Year resolution. You know, you go to the gym four times the first week of January, trails off six weeks, six months later, you've paid $600 in gym membership and you went three times. Praise God. Am I the only one? It's, it's the sound of shame in here. It's okay. It's okay. But uh, if you haven't got a chance to go back to our sermon series, I promise you we're not preaching about fitness, so don't worry. We want you to go check out those prior weeks. They're on our podcast. How many faithful podcast listeners do we have in the room? Yeah, so check that out. And then also, we we have service tonight. I didn't mention that at the 9 a.m. If you uh, are looking for an evening service, um, maybe you don't get up well. Anybody? One person? Okay, we'll see you tonight, 7 p.m., so I asked it. And uh, it should be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be bringing the word there tonight, so I'm excited. Uh, but, but the last three weeks, we've been talking about New Year, New Me, talking about the things that we need to change in our life or the things that we need to go back to. Uh, the first week, we talked about when we're pressing on the future, that uh, we have to renew our mind. We talked about leaning into the power of process. I will encourage you, watch that, w- uh, listen to that one, like on the go, because you'll cry, and it's all the things. And then uh, we talked talked about finding true rest, right? That's what we talked about last week, finding rhythms of rest, because this is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And so you have to be able to uh, serve the Lord like with your whole life and what that looks like and how to kind of find those seasons of maybe not putting your energy, maybe putting some of your energy in the wrong places and then where, where to put your energy. So if you're on that journey, I encourage you to listen to that. And then this morning, we're going to be talking about a redo. How many need a redo and we're only three weeks in? Right? That's okay. There's no shame in that. No perfect people allowed. If you're perfect, you got to go. But don't go because God might have a word for you. So you just hang out here for a while. But we are, uh, some of you have had a, had a rough year already. We're, we're only, how many days in? What's the date today? 20, oh, somebody's counting. Wow. Uh, But we've all had moments in our life where we've needed a redo. And uh, some of the times that I've needed a redo is uh, one time, at one point, we were dog owners. I know, you guys are like kind of laughing because you know we're never home. And uh, so years and years ago, we had this this time in our life where it was only Bella. We had a new um, child and we bought a house and our house had a big yard. And so what do you say after you get a kid and a house, you're like, I need a dog. I need a dog. I need something furry and cuddly. And I know Mike's furry and cuddly, but I just needed a dog and... And so we, we get this dog, and this was like a big dog. It was not small. And I was super excited. We went to the animal shelter, and we adopted. Man, that is such a good experience. If Just side, side note, I'm not on that soapbox this morning, but it was a really nice experience. We adopted this dog into our family, and the dog hated me. 
Like he really didn't like me. And he just, we tried all the things that they told you to do, crate train, um, you know, don't judge me if that's like a hated philosophy. I don't know, I just read books. And it just, all the things that the dog was supposed to settle into a rhythm, it just never did. And so uh, we ended up giving that dog to a friend of ours who had three boys, fenced in yard, home all the time, and the dog was like literally the best dog ever. We also did name him after a Jersey Shore character. Um, well, I guess they're a real person. If you don't know the show, Google it. You can judge me later. But uh, the dog's name was Polly D, by the way. So just Google it. And uh, so he, so we, we try this dog, and it just like wasn't a good fit for our family. You ever have a, have a pet, and it just doesn't work out, you know? So we give it to our friends. The dog was in heaven, and uh, they kept it for, until the dog actually just recently passed, um, not that long ago, but they kept it, had a great life. And then, um, so, so we try that, but then Bella gets a little bit older, and I think, well, I didn't need a big dog. I need a tiny dog, right? Well, I'll just save you all the stories of how that ended up. The problem was me, you guys. <laughs> Not the dog. Uh, but I, I felt like I needed a redo. But what I found was that our family was in the same place that we started, right? And so, uh, by the way, that dog is also living its best life wearing dog clothes for a lady who loves it. So just FYI, I, she posts pictures. It's really adorable. And so sometimes we just need a redo. And so in life, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of opening up the door to that conversation to say, hey, I've needed some things to redo in my life. And we've had many serious things. We've had a redo in our marriage. We've had redos in our family. My husband had a redo with it. Uh, he was part of our story is that he struggled with addiction many years ago. And that's a part of our testimony. So if you walked in here today and you're like, I'm 26 days into January and I already need a redo, let me just tell you, you are in good company this morning and it is okay if you went into 2020 saying this is gonna be the best year of my life and you got one weekend and wrecked your car it's okay God loves you and he's got a redo for you this morning so I just want to pray over you father God we just thank you for the opportunity for a second chance God I'm so thankful Lord that you don't stop at our effort because God it's so meager sometimes. And Lord, I'm so thankful that your grace is so sufficient. Your mercy is so good that you are so faithful to us, even when we are unfaithful to you. And so this morning, I just pray for an open heaven in this room to receive the mercy and grace for the second chance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So... I'm gonna to read to you a scripture. Now, I'm gonna tell you that on the screen, you're gonna see something a little bit different because I got up early this morning and just felt the Lord to share something a little bit different than what I prepared. Is that okay? So I'm just gonna read over you today. And, and so what you're gonna see on the screen, I believe is in the ESV version, but I'm gonna read from the message version, a little larger chunk than I initially had up there. So is it okay if I read the word to you this morning? Okay, this is in 2 Kings, so this is in the Old Testament. It's in chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 15. It said, Naaman lost his temper, and he turned on his heel, saying, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me. Call on the name of God, wave his hand over the diseased, the diseased spot, and get rid of the disease. 
The Damascus rivers, Abana and Parfar, uh, Farpar, are cleaner by far than any of these rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in them? At least I'd get clean. He stomped off mad as a hornet. Don't you love the message version? I'm like, I can relate to that. So Naaman, with his horses and chariots, arrived in style and stopped at Elisha's door. Elisha sent out a, ser- a servant to meet him with this message. Go to the River Jordan and immerse yourself seven times. Say seven times. Your skin will be healed and you will be good as new. But his servants caught up with him and said, Father, If the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not the simple wash and be clean? So he did it. He went down and immersed himself in the Jordan seven times. Following the orders of the prophet, his skin was healed and like the skin of a little baby. He was good as new, and he then now knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth other than the God of Israel. So here's, let me just give you a little background. If you're like, Jules, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. So there was a guy named Naaman and he was a mighty uh, warrior. He was an accomplished um, in the, in the army, and he also was a man of valor. So he was a very well-respected general, if you will. And Naaman struggled, so he was very accomplished in his public life, but he struggled personally because what people didn't know was that he had leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, it's just a disease that starts out kind of like maybe a chicken pock, but it actually deteriorates your body and those sores grow until it pretty much just eats away at your skin and, and you pass. So it was a very ugly disease. It was a disease that meant certain death. It wasn't like, well, maybe you'll live a full life. It wasn't like that. And so Naaman was living in all of these accomplishments, but privately struggling because he had a disease that no one even knew about. And so Naaman uh, had just gotten a huge victory specifically, and he was uh, a man of valor, and he's struggling with this disease, and he was the commander in the army. So we had all of these accomplishments, but Naaman was struggling because he needed to get healed, and it turned out one of his servants actually saw that he was struggling with this and was uh, the catalyst in trying to get his healing, which is another sermon, so I won't go there. But you had this situation where Naaman on the surface had everything right, but inside he was struggling. And sometimes in our lives, we look on Instagram like we have it all figured out, and inside we have nothing figured out, and we don't even want to get up in the morning. And let me just tell you, I don't know what the perception is, but I don't have it all figured out either. I probably yelled at my kids just like you. And so there are times that you, we, come, we sometimes even come into church and we start judging people on their outside or we judge people in the way they appear to be on social media, which is the highlight reel, by the way. And you don't understand that inside people are really hurting, that there's real things that they're struggling or have struggled with 
And we put this pressure on ourselves to just be okay, be successful, keep going, keep grinding, keep doing it, keep a smile on our face, a fake smile. Can I, is that relating to anyone this morning? So actually Spurgeon, who's a, you know, don't, don't worry about that right now. But he actually said that Naaman in a, in a commentary was, uh, he was actually plagued by two things that was preventing him from moving forward with the healing that God had for him. One of them being that he had a proud self. So he internally had said in his mind, like, Naaman, I'm sick, but I'm also very successful. And if this prophet who's named Elisha is going to heal me, he's going to have to come do it himself. So there was a proud self that Naaman was struggling with. He also struggled with evil questioning. So he questioned, why does it have to be in this water? Because the water that the prophet was telling him to go to was actually disgusting. And I was asking 9 a.m. service, I said, now I I gave specific instructions, by the way. So I'm going to give the 1010 service specific instructions. Are you ready? You will probably ignore them and do it anyways, but I'm going to tell you. Is that okay? We're going to have fun this morning. Are you good? Are you with me? So I asked the first service, I said, you, I said, don't yell them out. But I said, where are the lakes in Long Island that you don't want to go? And of course they all yelled them out. Don't yell them out. Somebody might have a house there. I might live there. I don't know. But we all have those places that we don't want to go. And so Naaman, the Lord told him, you need to go to this place. And Naaman said, that water is disgusting. I'm not going there. God, couldn't you send me to the Bahamas where the water is clear? Couldn't you send me to, I don't know, Gulf Shores? Like, why does it have to be the dirty, mucky water in Long Island? Or whatever, a lake, not the ocean. Calm down. Everybody is going to have a revolt. That was a joke. It's okay. So you have this situation, but I love about the way that the Bible translated is that it actually translates that Naaman didn't just dip in the water, Naaman actually plunged in the water. And this signified totally, total obedience to God. So we all have those moments where we doubt God, we don't want to do what God's telling us to do, we don't want to obey the word because it's painful, uncomfortable, all of it. But yet, have you ever just went against what you're feeling in your gut and went all in on what God told you to do and you had freedom? And so it says that Naaman didn't just dip his toe in the water. He plunged in it. He was going all in and total obedience, despite the fact that he had total disobedience probably 20 minutes before. God does something in the repetition. So Naaman actually had to plunge seven times in the dirty, disgusting water that you're all imagining right now, but not yelling out out of. You guys are good. You're obedient. I like you, 1010. God does something in the repetition. There's something about when the Bible says pray without ceasing, what does that mean? Praying every day. There's something that happens when we do God's word over and over again. There's something about that. And there's, and trust is built over time. You don't do, something doesn't, somebody doesn't do something for me once and I trust them. Somebody fulfills whatever they said they were going to do over and over and over again. And then trust is slowly built. 
And so the thing with the Lord is that he does something in our repetition. And so our minds are created for repetition. Our mind is designed for repetitions. That's why we have babies who do the same thing over and over again. Get up, cry, scream, sleep, poop. Maybe sleep. Cry again. Definitely cry. It's why we put our week on a rhythm, right? We have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, there's like a rhythm to our life, and it's because we're wired for it. it. There's something about like even successful people when they create their own business, and you no longer have like a a schedule that's imposed by you by somebody else. Successful people will create their own rhythm because there's something about doing the same thing over and over. There's something about the flow and the order and security that comes with repetition. And so if you've ever studied any kind of like, if you've watched those shows on like prison or anything, sometimes to escalate punishment, they'll remove routine. Have you ever heard of solitary confinement? They remove that knowing if it's light, if it's dark, if it's because there's something that in our body that is designed for that repetition. So you might be asking, okay, I'm geared up for repetition, but the only thing that I'm repeating are the mistakes that I've made over and over and over in my mind. Well, that's how the enemy wants to hijack the repetition, is what the Lord wants you to do is rehearse his words over and over and over, but the enemy will make you rehearse your mistakes over and over and over and over. Some of you who already failed the first week of January have already beat yourself up for the following weeks. So the question is, how do we change the repetitions of our mind and soul to align with the new me after salvation or after a breakthrough? After we come to the word, we have to create new habits because the Bible says that we're not to conform to the image of this world, but we're to transform that takes place one decision at a time. And so I'm just going to read to you out of Philippians. Um, You guys can go there with me if you'd like. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, Christ Jesus. Pressing towards a goal. Does that mean reaching one time? No, it's pressing. It's an active repetition of moving forward towards the things that God has for you. Let me read another scripture. Proverbs 24, verses 16. It says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Say again. Again, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So what does that look like? Well, the old me was tired, right? But the new me is trying. The old me was complaining, but the new me is praising. We have to develop a new repetition and a new rhythm. The old me was sad, depressed, but the new me is going to find purpose 
in the pain. You got to stay in and make new repetitions. You got to create new pathways for the Lord to transform your mind. Because if we're constantly rehearsing the repetition of the enemy, they're going to tell you, the enemy is going to tell you, you're going to lose, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, your marriage will never be restored, you never fulfill the plans and purposes that God has for you because you're going to mess him up. But the new me is saying, no, I'm trying. I'm doing what God has told me to do. I've got a scripture, I've got a song, I've got a word, I've got worship, and I'm going to create a new process in me. So you may ask yourself, if you're new to the face, how do I stay in process? What does that look like? Because me, I'm practical. Any, any practical saints in here? I'm always like, okay, but tell me what I need to do. Like, that sounds good. That sounds free. Sounds like it's a worship song. But like, what can I do? Anybody like that? Raise your hand. I want to see. These are, you are my people. I knew it. This is my tribe. I love it. Stay in communion. So we just did communion this morning. We, we talked about taking time to pause and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Guess what? You can do that at Shake Shack. Thank you, Jesus, for the horseradish sauce or whatever the heck that is. Shack sauce, that's what it is. The most passionate thing I've said all day. Stay in communion. Communion is about remembering. As, as wonderful and beautiful as the elements are, and I love the liturgy that comes with that, especially in different, um, in different forms of Christianity, but it's about remembering the sacrifice that makes it holy. You can have that moment at dinner. You can have that moment on your way to work with your coffee and your donut. Yes, I said it, do not throw tomatoes. You can say, Lord, this represents your blood today. And I'm remembering the sacrifice. I'm taking the focus off of my pain and I'm gonna remember that you bore whatever I'm walking through on the cross. Stay in communion. It's not a one-time event. You don't need me to do it, although it is nice, right? We get to do it together and that's a great moment. It's one of my favorite things to do as a pastor, but it doesn't start and stop with me. Stay in communion. Uh, stay in communication. What does that mean on a practical level? Tell someone what you're walking through. Tell someone what you're walking through. I guaranteed you, if you walked into the doors of V1 Church, you are not the only one who struggled with infidelity. You are not the only one who struggled with depression. You are not the only one that struggled with the loss of a loved one. You're not the only one walking through the grief of a, of, a, of a dream that you feel has died. You're not the only one that suffered a miscarriage. You're not the only one that's had an abortion. You are not alone. Stay in communication. I've had to learn over the years that this is my church too. And so there are vulnerable things that I will bring to people in this house because I don't want to be isolated. And I don't want you to be isolated. And I got to practice what I preach. And so there's times that I go to Pastor Kiel say, this is what I'm walking through. I need you to know about it. Can you pray for me as the weeks go on? That's Okay. You need to tell someone. That's why we have a prayer team that you can go up to so you can stay in communication. Do not go through pain alone. 
What else does it look like? Stay in connection. On a very practical, basic level, join a connect group. We set it all up for you. I don't know about you, but I walked away from my connect group on two Monday nights ago feeling refreshed and renewed because I needed to stay in communication and I need connection. Not only do I need you to know what I'm walking through, I need you to know my face. Stay in connection. Here's another way to develop a healthy habit of repetition in your life. Stay in prayer. Pray every day. Here's what this looks like. Now, I love when Pastor Evan prays. I love when Pastor Kiel or Pastor Eddie, I love it when they pray. It's beautiful. They've been in it for a while. Some of you who are newer to the faith, or maybe you just feel a little uncertain in this area. Here's what your prayers can sound like. God, I'm a little messed up. Can you help me? I don't know what to do today. I don't know how to have this conversation, and Lord, I just need your help, and I I believe you can help me. Amen. It can be as simple as, Lord, I am so sad today. Can you help me? Simple. But so often we feel so intimidated to go to the God who loves us so much And we withdraw communion, we withdraw communication, we withdraw connection, we withdraw prayer. And it leaves us in a situation where we're isolated and what God is saying is try it again. Maybe you were hurt in those areas in a different season, but I want you to know that God, we're gonna try it again this morning. Another one is that you could just a simple way, stay generous. I'm not just talking about with your finances, I'm talking about with your life. If you have talents and gifts that are used in isolation, man, bring them to the house of God. Bring them out in the open where people can celebrate and and cheer you on. Maybe you have a gift of just being empathetic. That's a gift, by the way. We would love to have you join a greeting team and use that empathy so that way when somebody walks in who's downtrodden at the door, you could say, hey, I'm encouraging you today. I'm glad you're here. Practical. Developing healthy habits and rhythms of repetition. Stay accountable. You need somebody to know what you're walking through so that they can help make sure that you get to the plans and purposes God God has for your life. If you are in isolation, it is so difficult for people to cheer you on. I know that accountability in my life has developed a healthy repetition of grace. And where once I had fear about the things that I'm struggling with, I now know that when I come to them, I'm gonna be met with such grace and such mercy healthy repetition. So, just a practical way of staying in a process and God does something in the repetition. I love the story of Naaman going into the river multiple times because here's the thing. Sometimes you got to get in the water again. Sometimes you got to try again. Sometimes you got to pray again. Sometimes you got to sing again. Sometimes you got to believe again. And sometimes you gotta trust again. You gotta show up again. You gotta come to church again. You gotta tithe again. You gotta just trust God in the process. You gotta trust him 
in what maybe he isn't doing immediately on your timetable. I can only imagine what Naaman was feeling as he got in the water. Now, I would imagine the first time, right? He jumped in the water. He was probably excited. Like, God said seven, but he's probably going to heal me in one or two. Have you ever done that? God told me it's going to be a season, but maybe in a week it'll be over. I don't know. I'm just, is it okay that I'm preaching real today? I can only imagine what Naaman felt like when he got in the water the third time and nothing happens. I can only imagine what he felt like when he got in the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth time and nothing happened. But there was something about replacing a healthy, healthy repetition because what Naaman actually wanted was a ceremony. He actually showed up in a robe and said, I want the prophet to come lay hands on me and set me free and heal me because then it, it was kind of like a show instead of this private thing with the Lord. And some of us, I've been guilty of this. I've showed up into a church service or revival service and I said, God's gonna heal me. Because I wanted that celebration. And I used to think that the times before Naaman got healed was for God. But now that I'm 36 years, almost 37 years into this thing, I'm realizing the times that he didn't come were for me. Church, I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning. I've been so guilty of wanting, what Naaman wanted was this ceremony of healing. What Naaman got was a walk in humility to a place he didn't want to go, to step into a circumstance he didn't want to step into, but his obedience is what healed him. I want to read this scripture to you. Jesus... This is how Jesus modeled repetition. I'm going to just kind of paraphrase the scripture. It's in Mark 8, 22, verse 26, but I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time. But Jesus comes up to a blind man, and he spit in the man's eyes, and he put his hands on, me, on him, and he, and he said, do you see anything? And the man says, like, I think I kind of see. I, I see people walking around. They look like trees. But here's the part of the scripture that I, that I love. He said, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and then his eyes were open and his sight was restored. There's something, see, there's something that happens when we obey God again. Because the reality is that God could have healed him immediately, right? God could have healed him the first time. He didn't need to go to the river. He's all powerful. Jesus actually probably didn't need to put his hands on the second time, but there's something that happens in our hearts in the process. And so here's three things that I'm just gonna encourage you to do is go back and revisit the right thing. Do you remember that time in your life when you felt a little freer, when you opened up your Bible for five minutes every day? Go back to it. 
Do you remember that time when you were in worship and, and you lifted up your hands and something just kind of lifted off to you? Try it again. Do you remember that time when you went up and you received prayer and some of you are reaching out to the next thing and what God is saying this morning is go back to the right thing. You might want a ceremony, you might want a celebration, but what God is trying to take you is on a journey of humility where you get in the water and you don't just get in once. You might have come in on your last try and you say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And God is reminding you this morning, go back to the right thing. Stay obedient. He's got a plan. Get in the water again. He will do it. If he did it for me, I know that he'll do it for you. If he did it for Angela, if he did it for Evan, if he did it for Nick and Tim and Jesse, he's going to do it for you. So this morning, I felt a weariness of people in process. I felt a weariness of people who've been rehearsing the wrong repetition. And you've been listening to the demonic chatter in your mind of what you aren't. And Jesus is saying, go back to the word and let me tell you who you are. Rehearse the right thing this morning. And so the second thing is you gotta renew your mind. And the third thing is you gotta remind yourself about what God said. I know what your friends said about your marriage. What did God say about the restoration of your marriage? I know what your friends said about your future, but what did God say about his plans? I know what God said about the dream in your heart. And so you just have to bring it back to him and go back to the right repetition. And here's what you do. You say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I receive it. I receive what you said in my life. I receive the scripture. I receive the prophetic word. I receive the breakthrough this morning. I receive it, Jesus. And so today, if you showed up in your robe, if you showed up in your chariot, if you showed up with, and all that is representative is just a preconceived notion of what you either think God is gonna do or what he hasn't done. I wanna tell you, if, if you have a preconceived notion about how God isn't gonna come through, I wanna tell you that he is going to come through. I know that because I felt that in my spirit as I was praying for you this morning. And every time I read the scripture, I see people of God who stay in the process, who say, it's not what I wanted, but God, I'm willing to walk to the location maybe that I don't wanna go. I'm willing to get in the water that maybe looks unappetizing to me because I know that wherever, you're, uh, wherever you tell me to be obedient is where the breakthrough is and so this morning I believe the breakthrough is just heeding to his call today if that's you this morning and you said I'm naming today <laughs> I, I'm I'm in I'm in my sixth dip and I'm not there yet I'm in my sixth plunge and I haven't seen a breakthrough yet get ready for the seventh we're gonna worship again 
How about that, church? We're going to praise him again. We're going to believe him again. We're going to believe that what he said in his word is true. We're going to believe that what he said he's going to do, he actually is going to do. And I believe that if you've had a prophetic word of breakthrough or healing, today is the seventh dip. Amen. Today's the seventh plunge. We're going in both feet. Come on, let's sing it out this morning. Come on, church. Lift it up to him today. Thanks for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by people all over the world that sow financially into what God is doing through V1 Church. If you want to join the movement by giving, visit us at www.v1.church and give today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next episode.